Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Steeler. Fury. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. You are listening to the Pittsburgh Steelers show on SteelerFury.com's podcast. I am your host, Bradshaw to Ben. A.K.A. Accidental Zen on Twitter. Uh, and right now I'm Will Massasak in real life. Uh, you know, quote, uh, air quotes, freezing in Los Angeles where we had today uh, temperatures in the low 50s. A, a, th- a full-on thunderstorm with lightning and it struck some building here near, near me. And hail. So uh, all we're missing is like the, fro- the frogs from Magnolia falling from the sky and we'd be in business. Uh, and with me to share the apocalypse... Uh, somewhere in Pittsburgh, suburban zone 22. His name is Steel Perch. Uh, tell me about it, Perch. How are you, sir? Fuck this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and also with me from somewhere in uh, in the deep south, who is uh, lamenting that he doesn't have a helmet to swing at Mason Rudolph's head and <laughs> connect to do a better job of getting him out of there. His name is FC. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah, um, are we? I'll just start with you, FC. You know, the the let's talk for a second about the brawl at the end of the Thursday night game because that seems to be the the talking point for most people this week. Um, are we a little Are we a little disappointed that Mason Rudolph did not get suspended? Um, I uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing is when Mason Rudolph's like, "Yeah, my left hand got stuck underneath his helmet." There's a big difference between trying to pull a guy's helmet off and then hitting a guy in the head with the helmet. And I would love to say that I've never seen anything like that before, but it wouldn't be true. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be true, unfortunately. Um, um, FC, let me just a follow-up question. Um, apparently, uh, Mason also uh, – uh, Tried to grab his package, I guess, is the way the correct way to say it. I'm wondering if uh, you and your years of playing football, if you've ever uh, w- would ever willingly no. admit that. No? Okay. And I can also <laughs> tell you this. I never went Cody Wallace and uh, tested the oil. <laughs> no, never, I, I, never checked the guy's oil. Yeah. Okay. No, I, uh, I passed on that. Um, listen, uh, I think that Vince Williams 
is a pretty good quote machine a lot of times for the Steelers. And he summed up my feelings about this pretty quickly. And he said, um, if I see Marquise Pouncey jump off a bridge, I'll ask why on the way down. And it just, with the way the team, I mean, this type of incident is either going to bring the team together or it's going to be the beginning of the end. I won't be shocked if it brings the team together a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mason Rudolph feels a little more vested in this year's, in the 2019 Steelers. It's, it's a type of incident that that's, at the end of the day, whenever you get a week out, that's what you have to look for. I mean, everything that happened, happened. It's done with. You can't look in the rearview mirror. You just got to look ahead. And, uh, you know, I hope it's a team building bonding incident. That's the best thing that you can hope came out of this. Yeah, I want to get back to Mason Rudolph and the team bonding, but uh, Perch, I'm sure you have a, uh, I'm sure you have a unique take on this, so <laughs> I'll throw it to you. Listen, I mean, if you heard what Mason Rudolph said today in his pre-canned scripted speech, I think he kind of touched on how I feel about it without actually going into it. But when he watched two of his teammates get concussed uh, during that game and he himself got knocked out cold earlier this year, and now the game's pretty much over. The, the running back has already caught the pass, and Miles Garrett spins him to the ground and spikes him in the ground and kind of lays on. I'd be pissed off, too. But you can't convince me that there wasn't something said in that Browns locker room this week heading into that game that we're not going to let these guys bully us anymore. We're going out there. We're, we're going for the head. We're trying to take them out. The, the play on Juju, Morgan Burnett, was the third guy to the pile, threw a shoulder into his helmet and, and knocked him out of the game. Uh, the, the Marius Randall hit was as nasty of a hit as you will ever see uh, on Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, you know, bobbled and dropped the pass, took three more steps, and dude just, you know, he went Ryan Clark and lowered the helmet, put the crown of the helmet right in the ear, gave him concussion, pretty much knocked him out cold. He was bleeding out the ear. Uh, and then for what happened at the end of the game, uh, it was just kind of the cherry on top. And I'm glad Mason had a little bit of a fight to him. But, boy, you'd never see anything like that. Usually, you know, hey, this guy's pulling my you know, at my helmet out of the pile. We'll get up. We'll shove each other. All right, hey, he ripped his helmet off. No big deal. But to swing at that helmet, the, the big thing is, what if he had, had hit him with, a, you know, the crown of the helmet instead of the bottom? He swung it full, full bore. That's a 275-pound freak athlete, not just freak athlete, compared to us Joes walking around the street. He's a freak athlete in the NFL. Other NFL players aren't as freakishly strong as quick. I mean, he does 80-pound barbells and, and does box jumps with them in his hands. I mean, this guy's a freak. Had that helmet been turned right side up and set upside down, and he hit Mason Rudolph in the head, at best we're dealing with a brain bleed and a, and a uh, busted cranium. At worst, he's dead or paralyzed on the field, and everybody's talking about should the NFL even exist anymore. I mean, that guy single-handedly could have wrecked the league. If he had hit that guy the right way, you could have had the first death on the field. He could be facing life in prison right now. I mean, it was literally just turn that helmet the other way. You're swinging an eight-pound brick with a handle on it at somebody's bare skull. He could have fucking killed it. Um, yeah, all, so all, joking, me, all joking aside, it's true. that It's just, uh, you know, that part yeah, of it, no, the it, helmet it, swing, terrible. It's, it's very true. I mean, uh, just, yeah. 
people have died from falls in a fight, just from a punch with a fist, you know, uh, let alone a 275 freak hitting you in the head with a helmet. So they can't let him back this year. Um, I think the, the, the suspension most likely will bleed into next year. How many games next year? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, to me, whatever you guys are doing, whoever you're hanging out with in life, go find you a Marquise Pouncey. You know, if you feel like killing some folks, he's going to try and get you free. If, yep. uh, if, if somebody somebody tries to smash you over the head, he's going to punch them in the helmet. <laughs> he's, he's your guy. Put the stomp, on their, stomp on their head when they're under the pile. I mean, that was I've watched that, that replay about 15 times just to smile and laugh at Marquise Pouncey. So everybody go out uh, – Go out in life and find you one friend like Marquis Bouncy, but his suspension is bullshit. I mean, he was not involved in any way at all in any of that fight until his quarterback. I mean, I, I've watched it fifteen times until his quarterback got dunked over the head with his helmet. Then he came running in full speed, punching and kicking and, and looking to to race. Hell, I mean, how could you blame the guy for that? And I think every NFL player that I've seen, they all said the same thing, like. Marquis Pouncey's our hero. You shouldn't punish him. Like, that's the kind of teammate yeah. you want. Everybody to a man said he should not be. And the longest suspension for fighting in NFL history is one game. Pouncey got three. Yeah. He wasn't even in a fight. He was protecting his guy. Kicked so, the guy in the head. He kicked the guy in the head. I mean, that to me yeah, is as why. As soon as I saw him throw, throw a punch and a kick, I knew he was getting some sort of discipline. But uh, one game, I would, I would accept that. A hefty yeah. fine, I would accept that. Three games, it's like they just won him up. But then Okunjobi is going to be in the next Steelers-Browns game two weeks from now. I think he'll come up with it. So, all right, here's my prediction, Purge. Okunjobi will come up with a mysterious injury or ailment that will keep him out of that game. <laughs> I don't think he's taking the field in that one um, because I yeah, think, he'll be, you know, he's, he'd be a target, you know. But I was going to oh, say, I more importantly, he better the, be a target. Uh, I, more importantly, I would say I think you can predict Miles Garrett's suspension uh, if it bleeds over to next year. I guarantee you, if you look at the schedule and see when the Steelers and Browns are scheduled to play, that his, his suspension will end just before that game. Um, I, I bet it will. Yep. Yeah. He'll be suspended two weeks, and it'll be Steelers at Browns week three. That's the way yeah. to do that shit all the time for ratings. Yeah, exactly. And he'll be missing from the Browns' first two games that'll be against the Ravens and the Patriots. You know. That's like that's the that's the way it goes in the NFL. Um, anyway, all right. So you know the discipline. We'll see what comes out of it. I guess Pouncey just Garrett did his appeal today. I'm not sure when Pouncey's appeal is, but bottom line, um, I suspect that Pouncey thing will get dropped to two games. He'll miss the Cleveland game and then be back the week after that. That would be my guess. But Ogan um, Joby's got upheld today, so Ogan Joby's uh, he got the one guaranteed, and and he's done. Yeah, which is which is low for a cheap shot, but I mean, like you said, one oh, for one for fighting. It's gonna be a low cheap shot. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm I'm leaving the horses to water. Every single run play, I would let them know it. I cut them from behind at the knees. He is leaving the field on the stretcher or by choice. I take 15 fucking yard penalties until I was half the distance. I'd be. Like kicking from basically beyond the end zone. If it's took, he will he will not finish the game upright. I don't care what the fine is. I like kicking from beyond the end zone. You know, FC that can only go half the distance to the goal. Just so many fucking times. I understand that. Okay, and real quickly, B to B, you have referee. The biggest responsibility of any referee in any sport, and our benefactor, Mister Ed. 
from Steel Fury. Steel Fury mm-hmm. will tell you this, is to be in control of the game at all times. Yes, sir. That is our biggest, that is the number one objective. I don't care if it's basketball, football, wrestling, hockey, volleyball, whatever fucking sport it is, is to be, you're the person in control at all times. And from about a minute and 20 seconds into that game, Perch made very good points about our wide receivers basically getting dummied. Um, They attempted to do the same thing to Vance McDonald and Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette actually almost... They try a 185 pound guy almost found out what it's like to run into a 260 pound guy whenever he sees it coming. But if there definitely was a message sent by Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, that they were going to be the hammer and the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to be the nail. And amazingly, where I think the referees lost control of the game is I would have called every single infraction after the first headshot delivered by the Cleveland Browns. There would be no holding. There would be no – that was one of the worst officiated games. And the NFL is not going to point that out. The players ain't going to point it out. And the coaches ain't going to point it out because they'll be fined significantly. It was proven what happened to Mike Tomlin two weeks ago where I believe he got $150,000 fine for bad-mouthing the officials. It was a small little clip that nobody wants to talk about. But regardless – um, they did. They lost. That was a shit show by the NFL. And Miles Garrett is a hundred percent to blame. I'm not trying to say the NFL referees carry a lot more blame and burden than a Marquise Pouncey or a Mason Rudolph does in this incident. They, I mean, the Steelers were absolutely sodomized in Cleveland. Let's not lie. No. And it wasn't the Steelers were soft. It was just one team was playing by one rules, and the Pittsburgh Steelers were attempting to play by another set. Yeah, and I mean, it's I, you know, to a degree, uh, I I admire that strategy on their part. I think that was probably what they needed to do to try to elevate their, you know, elevate their their game level this year, and particularly try to change something in the narrative of this of this uh, situation. Um, but you're right; like the, the the response to that by the officials has to be to rein it in. It's like one thing to send your message early and then get it reined in during the course of the game. Like you made your point. You could still play tough or whatever without headshotting guys, but you know, I mean, if it's, if it's 2008 and it's the Steelers that do that game and three three Browns players leave, you know, uh, on the stretcher, then it would you, be illegal. And, and the Pittsburgh Steelers would be doing similar type things. Yeah, Steelers didn't play a dirty game against the Browns. That was, that was my issue. Yep, I got you. Um, Perch, let's let's get back to the quarterback and the team thing. I thought right up until the fight. That uh, in the particular, like the last third of that game, like from the time that the Steelers were, you know, losing score or they had scoring opportunities that they didn't convert uh, down one score and a chance to like, you know, get right back in the game, basically, that I thought that I saw maybe just me, but I thought that I saw body language on the particularly offensive players and particularly the skill guys on offense um, that they were they that they basically had it you know right it's not just that the game is going poorly it's it's that thing with receivers you know if you're if you're run the route you're supposed to run and you're open or you help make somebody else open and uh the 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 quarterback does not let go of the ball he holds the ball he gets you know into trouble he throws it to the wrong color jersey so on and so forth i think after a while it starts to wear on you and i sense that the tide really turned in that game that's one of the reasons that i thought there's a possibility that um 
there's a possibility that they would have actually uh, replaced the quarterback there for the game. Um, but I just thought there was the, the body language was not a positive, and maybe this fight does something to sort of like erase some of that. But I have a feeling that like a cup, uh, you know, a quarter or two more of Mason Rudolph uh, and that and playing like he did on Thursday, particularly, might be the straw that broke the camel's back for the team, not for the coaches, but for the team. What is your take on that, Perch? My take is the ownership and general manager and coaching staff do not want to shatter the confidence of Mason Rudolph, and they want to see what he can do. The team's down right now. The offense is struggling. I think that they are – it would take – extended periods of awful play for them to yank Rudolph. Well, I think many fans might think it gives the team a spark, just a different style of quarterback, a fresh face, fresh set of eyes behind center, uh, putting Duck in there. I just don't think the team's going to do it. As far as the team get, getting a spark, what the hell did Deion Kane and Tevin Jones give a shit about last week for when they weren't even on the fucking team? We don't have any receivers that were even on the team last week coming out to play this week. We got running backs who've been here for a week or two, shuffling in and out. And the entire, this is the 31st and 32nd worst offenses in the NFL are going to face off in Cincinnati this week. And it's just, it's bare bones awful. The coordination is awful. The quarterback play is awful. The talent on the skill positions, I mean, it's fourth quarter of a preseason game, awful. Uh, what the fuck do you do with that? I mean, even, even if Mason Rudolph decided he was going to be Big Ben this week, he still wouldn't be very damn good because he, who the hell is he throwing to? People who aren't didn't even know the playbook yet. It's uh, it's a mess. But yeah, I, I mean, he did point in, good. Uh, no, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I guess it's hard for me to restrain myself. It's just that the guys were open. It's like he's not throwing it to them. So even, if, even with the no-name say. guys, you know. Fourth and yeah. one wide receiver on a quick slant comes completely blown coverage. If he throws it to him, it's like a 40-yard touchdown because there was nobody in the middle of the field. And he just no looks and, it, it, yeah, and just throws the ball into nowhere because he didn't know his reads. And I think that's a big problem repeatedly. One, and we, we've talked at length about his horrible accuracy and mid-range passes where he's just a, a foot high, a foot too far leading or three feet behind the guy which causes tip passes and interceptions or it causes just incomplete passes and the team just doesn't stay on the field. Um, 50 years of Pittsburgh Steeler offense, this is their 46th worst offensive performance in terms of plays they've actually run. So they're never staying on the field because they fail on third and fourth down. They're the worst offense in football in third and short and fourth and short. They're converting, what is it, 30, I forget the number, 25% of their third and fourth and short the league average is 66%. Uh, and it, it goes back to everything. I mean, the quarterback's bad, been bad. He's been missing reads. Uh, his accuracy's been bad. And they're very predictable in the run game. The motion's been problems. They've been motioning too wide and letting people come in and cut in from behind. And, and the running backs aren't anything special. And the offense is fucked. Uh, it just uh, – yeah. I, you can't say, hey, where can we hang our hat? Cincinnati sucks and they're tanking and playing for Joe Burrow – uh, what's the one thing we can hang our hat on this week? Benny Snell football? I mean, is that, that probably is it. We're going to try to run Benny Snell into the line the entire game and hope not to have turnovers. And yeah, but what, is it, what are the chances, though, that uh, FC, what are the chances that Benny Snell starts? I don't think he starts. Even if he comes back, he's not starting. So he's going to have to provide a spark as a backup. Right. 
I mean, touches are touches. I don't care when you get them. It's how productive you are when you get them. And so, are we going to see Benny Snow football? I don't know. I mean, Benny Snow actually has a few weapons or a few tool, few skills in his toolbox that you know he has decent vision. I mean, people. I mean, he's not real explosive in the fast area, but he's you know he runs hard. I'm I'm I'm. It, it's it's tough to say. Like Deion King, I've I, I watched him play a ton of football. I expected he would have been a second or third round pick. And uh, he went in the sixth round, and then he got cut by the Colts. Does he have playmaking ability? Sure. I mean, can he help this team win? Sure. Will he? I don't know. Do I trust Rudolph? Not really. Would anybody know? I mean, he's not great. He ain't going to win you games. We have a fantastic defense. Um, our special teams' uh, return game is non-existent. Our coverage units, eh, hit and miss. But, you know, the numbers will tell you that we're – you know, pretty decent. But at the end of the day, and that's my big thing this week, is is the Steelers need to get production from the offense. And this team could still possibly make the playoffs. When I say could still possibly, they start winning some games, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but and, I mean, FC, they're not making the playoffs with Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. There's not happening. More likely than not, they will not. But here's the thing. If with the defense and if the special teams, I mean, Boswell's money. And, I mean, Barry has quietly been very good at times. If you can control field position and shenanigan yourself some touchdowns, I would basically, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I tell Randy Fitchner, you know what, um, this ain't working, so be creative. I don't care. Dude, show me something. You got Mason Rudolph, show me something. This I don't care. If it's double reverses, manufacture me some points. And that's what the Steelers are gonna have to do. I yep. mean you, you, I, it's the only it's their only option. It's their, I mean, you you're gonna face nine and ten man fronts and you're not gonna get the run game going, no matter what anyone says. And yep. the, I mean is Juju playing this week? I'm going to say no. Is Deontay like Johnson? Uh, if you, is Deontay Johnson going to play this week? I'm going to say no. Uh, no, it, 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 uh, Deontay Johnson looks like a yes. He if he clears his exam tomorrow, he'll be because he practiced fully today. Yes, he did. But that blood coming out of his ear was not a very good visual for the NFL and for for viewers with concussions. So. Fair enough. I I hope he does. I mean, you're talking about the uh, the defense stacking up against the offense, you know, because they don't mm-hmm. have any fear. Let me let me throw some numbers at you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Um, Mason Ru- nerd. Mason Rudolph. Look, way to be way way to be nerded out by this. You're gonna love it. Um, N- Mason Rudolph passes beyond the line of scrimmage, so one to ten yards. This is oh, sorry. This is accuracy. So in other words, this accounts for drops. Um, even when the defender makes a, you know, defender sticks his hand and makes a play, but the ball would have hit the receiver. Um, yeah. it, it and it, I believe it even includes balls that were intercepted, but the ball was at least on target to the receiver. Okay, so it's giving every benefit of the doubt to the quarterback about accuracy. Um, be, one to ten yards beyond the line of scrimmage, twentieth in the NFL. In, uh, one, 11 to 20 yards, 39th in the NFL, 
21 plus yards, 28th. On the left seam, this is the left middle, 50% 50 of his throws were on target. That's 26th in the league. Right seam, 40% on target. That's 36th in the NFL. Left sideline, one of the few bright spots. That's the throws to Juju almost always along the left sideline. 14th in the NFL at 52.6%. But get this one, right sideline. For, for the whole season, Mason Rudolph, he has only had 10% of his throws to the right sideline on target. That's 41st out of quarterbacks measured this year. There's basically nobody in the NFL who's worse at throwing to the right sideline. So when I look at that chart and I look at his chart of where he's even attempted passes, and I just think every defense, I mean, you know, like I, our friend Iron City used to say, fix the O-line, fix the offense. In this case, I think if you fix the quarterback even a little bit, uh, that – it makes everything else that they're trying to do so much easier. They would look like they had fewer and fewer problems. It's just, it's literally just, you know, be quicker and more accurate with throws. I, you know, I can't, I can't get off that, that train. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, my biggest fear is that you, he looks fine against Cincinnati because Cincinnati's terrible. Um, and then, you know, you get into the rest of the year and it's like, yeah, we're finding stuff out about him, but, but is that, is it worth it? You know, Perch, I'll go to you. Oh, boy. I think I've seen enough that I know. I think his best case is a career backup, a guy who can come in for a game or two if your starting quarterback goes down, protect the football, allow you to win with running game and defense and not make a ton of mistakes. I think he's a poor man's Neil O'Donnell. I think I, that's what I've called him. A poor man's Alex Smith is probably a ceiling. You know, I just I I just don't see it. You know, I just don't see it. But just to, since we we're playing stature for nerds, FC, that's your line, man. I was I was trying to set you up with it. Yes, sir. Okay, is that borrow it? It's actually a this Joe season. Green quote. <laughs> yeah, I remember last year. I mean, if you look at the difference in the offense from last year to this year, Antonio Brown for Deontay. That's it. Right? You guys pretty much agree with that. That's pretty much the only thing outside of the quarterback. Yeah. Ben, Last yeah. year, yeah, Steelers were fourth in yards, 403 per game. Now they're 28th at 283. We've lost 120 yards per game. Last year, we were second in the league in passing, 313 a game. This year, we're 27th with 202. We lost 112 passing yards a game. That's awful. Uh, points per game. Uh, last year, we were at uh, 26 points, almost 27 points per game. We're number six in the league. This year, we're at 20 uh, with 24th. Last year, we were minus 11 with 26 giveaways, uh, minus 11 in the turnovers. This year, we're second in the league with 26 takeaways and plus nine. So the offense is getting the ball more in better position, closer to score, and they're doing nothing with it. And there was a stat tweeted out uh, by uh, – Oh, the old PR guy from the Steelers. I can't remember his name, but uh, in the 50-year history, uh, no, Scar- uh, Scar- oh, I forget his name. I'll, I'll, different I'll guy. Sorry. Okay. Uh, anyway, in the in the 50 years since the merger, this year's offense is the 43rd, 43rd worst in yards, uh, 46th in play runs, 47th in yards per carry, and 49th out of 50 in rush yards in franchise history. It's probably the, the worst offense the Steelers have ever had uh, since the merger, since 1968, whatever the hell it was back then, it's historically bad. And the only difference is Antonio Brown for Deontay, right? So if you're hey, you're telling me that's the only difference, right? Uh, I'm just saying quarterback-wise. Right. Ben was the top ten, top five, top ten quarterback in the league. 
and you replace him with number 31 or 32, that's the difference in the offense. It's it's a massive, massive, massive difference in quarterback play. You can't tell me that this guy is miraculously going to get better. You see all these other young quarterbacks come in the league now, and kind of what they are the first year, they get a little bit better from that. But guys are coming in now. This isn't you know, 2000, 2005 when Ben came in the league and he was the oddball who actually came in and played well right away. Quarterbacks came in and sucked for two or three years, and then they got good. <clears throat> now he's got the, the league is so different. What you can do, you typically can do pretty well the first year, and you get better your second year, and by the third year, you're a finished product. And Mason Rudolph's on year two, and he's awful. So I don't think he's ever getting any better. That's my long way of get, getting to the point of this guy's never getting any better. He's not the future. He's not the answer. What are you going to do with him? I have yeah. a slightly different take. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a starter quality quarterback. I think the longer he's around the game, and I think he'll, he'll stick around the NFL, I think that mentally he may improve. Um, I think that he was stunted at Oklahoma State. Um, I like Gundy. I think he's very quotable. I don't think that his system and what they do there converts well to the NFL. I, I can say that about a lot of systems, though, offensively, from the college to pro levels. Um, and there's other ones that do. Um, we'll quickly take the air raid offense and all of Mike Leach's bastard kids that came off his coaching tree. Um, Kyler Murray would be one. Uh, Brian Allen, who's having a success. Uh, Cal Allen, who's also having success in the passing game, is because the passing game in the air raid is very sophisticated, and you have to have a ton of mental reps. Mentally, you have to be strong to run that offense. Um, that's not true about Oklahoma State. And Mason Rudolph is slow, and he's football dumb. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about him. I'll put, I'll put it this way. The thing that, that really impresses me about Mason Rudolph, and there's one thing that does, is he seems to be a fighter. And he has some arm <laughs> talent. No, he. I, mean, I don't mean. What I mean is, is <laughs> I know you didn't mean it like that. But, uh, the next play. but yeah, it wasn't the greatest verbiage <laughs> there. Um, he has guts, and you give me a guy with guts that players will follow and fight for. You, I think he could be a decent backup. I think the very, very top end of what he ever will be will be maybe Case Keenum-ish type of guy where he can come in and give you a spark. If, But for a game or two, just like Pritchett, I agree with him there. Um, where I just think there there is a little bit of mental growth that could take place where on the fourth and one, he immediately notices the drop coverage and hits the receiver for the 40-yard touchdown. I mean, it, it, it was there. It's... It's plain and simple to see. Um, I think that a big, a lot of this, you have to bitch at Fitchner, where it's his job to, at this point, to get Mason Rudolph some passing plays he likes and to create some plays where you have counters off of that, where if we run the same fucking inside zone, it doesn't work. you got to be able to design a play-action pass off that that Mason Rudolph can hit and that he likes. This got to quickly become Mason Rudolph's offense, and that's not happening. The very best thing that I'll say is I look for Ben on the sidelines, and I look at him and try to grade how the young man is doing, and I'm going to tell you this. He looks like he's still in shape. 
So that tells me he's still doing some work. So I think he's going to be back. So that's, yeah, that's, you can hope that's the most hope that we have. That's for sure. All right. Yeah. Enough. I mean, I'm, you guys know my feelings about what's yes, been going sir. on with the quarterback play. I just, I, you know, he's fucking terrible. Yeah. It's just that the, if I wouldn't care if he was terrible, if the defense still needed a ton of work and if everybody, you know, <laughs> cause I, I just feel like it's, you know, it stunts the, it stunts the receiver as young receivers in terms of them getting better. And it, it's a crushing blow to the, the team works so hard on the other aspects of the defense is so good right now um, that, you know, even when they have a bad game, like I would say Thursday was short week coming off an emotional defensive performance and they didn't have their best stuff, but they still clamped down, kept a team in the game, you know, waited for the offense to catch up. And it just like, uh, I just feel like it's such a shame to waste that um, with, not just mediocre quarterback play, but terrible quarterback play. All right, well, let's move on a little bit uh, for a minute to uh, this week's matchup with with Cincinnati. We you know we touched on it a little bit. Cincinnati is pretty much terrible, um, but you know so is the Steelers' offense. So the Steelers' offense and the Cincinnati defense, although they're about the same level in terms of the ranking and analytics, the Cincinnati defense is on it's sort of on a tiny upswing, while the Steelers' defense is on a little bit of a downswing. Um, I'm going to start with you, Perch. Based on the you know, walking wounded for the Steelers and who they may or may not they- suit up and who the quarterback is going to be and who the offensive coordinator is going to be and who the head coach is going to be, um, how do you see this from the Steelers' offense standpoint against the Cincinnati defense? Boy, I mean, we came out the first time because we really didn't trust our quarterback against Cincinnati and, and we're running the, you know, basically a wildcat offense that uh, I don't think you'll be able to pull that off again because they're prepared for it. But I honestly think that they're going to go into this game with the most conservative, humanly possible game plan on offense. And the entire strategy is if we don't turn it over the entire game, our defense should be able to force their shitty offense into a turnover. And maybe we can win this sucker 13 to seven, 13 to 10. I think it's going to be one of the most hideously brutal offensive displays to watch in NFL in the last 15 years. Uh, I think both of these offenses are horrendous. I don't see a redeeming quality for either. Uh, I really just, you know, knowing the Steelers, and they, when, when they made that comment a couple weeks ago, if we don't turn the ball over, who can beat us? It tells me everything I need to know about their offensive strategy. They're not going to challenge the defense. They're not going to attack the defense. They're going to say, look at all these shiny new pieces we've got on our, our defense. Hey, D- Bud Dupree's good now. We went and traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Our corners are good now. We, we've got a good pass rush. Uh, T.J. Watts turned into one of the handful of best edge rushers in the league. If we just let those guys do their thing and, and don't screw it up on offense, we have a chance to win every game. And I think that's not just this week, but I think the rest of the season. And one thing I didn't get to mention before, I think this might be the la- If our offense sucks on this game the way I think it's going to, this might be the last game the rest of the year we're actually favored in. You know, you look down the schedule, the Jets, uh, you know, they've got their quarterback back now, and, and they're putting up some points. Same thing with the Cardinals. That's going to be a road game. The Bills have a better record, and, and they're in a playoff driver's seat. The Ravens are definitely going to be favored. This might be the last game we win or even or even favored in the rest of the year. Uh, I think there's more, more likelihood we lose out than we make the playoffs. But it, like I said, I, I think the offense is just going to be brutal on both teams. And you hope to make less mistakes, and you hope your defense is better than theirs, and you, you get some turnovers. Ha- having to watch that offense the rest of the year, Perch, is like a, you're like telling me I'm just sentenced to jail. You know, like you're just a short prison sentence. It's only going to be three months. 
but uh, yeah, sorry, you know, like that, that's all. It's the worst potential outcome. I mean, I would so much rather try to play modern football and and lose and find out that your quarterback can or can't play than I would like the thing about the conservative plan FC is it puts the, it puts the onus on the quarterback to make smart decisions in third and short. And, and uh, you know, I feel like that's the wrong strategy to keep continually forcing Mason Rudolph to make quick, smart decisions on third and fourth and short. That just seems like a losing proposition. What's your take on this uh, Steelers offense against uh, Cincinnati's defense? I don't post the ton anymore. But I posted uh, a link, like a little thing with quotes from what I consider the top 25 quarterbacks of all time. And pretty much to sum it up, they all had this one thing that they all agreed on. The easiest down to throw on was first and 10. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was true for Bart Starr in the 60s, Otto Graham in the 50s. Terry Bradshaw and Roger Staubach in the 70s, Montana, Elway in the 80s, Troy Aikman in the 90s, Peyton Manning. You know, they, it's pretty much they all agree. You know, first and 10 is the easiest time to throw on. Um, I agree. That I think we're going to be ultra conservative. Um, that's, I hope that they're ultra conservative and they can maybe get a 10-point lead and just milk that in. And then with Cleveland, be able to do the same thing. And then you get – I don't think it's more likely that we lose out to make the playoffs. I think it's most likely that we finish as a, probably an eight-win team, uh, which isn't going to be good enough for the playoffs. But I do think the defense is that special and good um, at this point. Uh, but I just think that shenanigans – some Ken Wisenhut, Mike Malarkey fucking trickery at times might be just the thing this offense needs. Sometimes just a spark can – and there's been times where the, that Mason Rudolph has sparked the offense enough. You know, uh, I can give you four or five examples, even in games that we lost. Um, the perfect, you know, 17-yard in to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, uh, Made some good throws to James Washington. You got to remember, I mean, Johnny Holton pulls in that ball. You're at 14-14 in that game. It was before we got to 21-7. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Holton, had he's fucking terrible, too. I, I just I don't understand why he's on the field, but ever. I understand we ran out of bodies. I would rather go to the three tight end offense. Zach Banner he eligible. Be, he's not to interrupt, but that guy shouldn't be in the league. 12 targets. <laughs> no, no, he should. His entire career, he catches 33% of the passes thrown to him. Yeah. In, in the league for I mean, in his defense, they weren't all his fault, but still, that's a hideous no. number, and you're right. Um, he, there's, he, he, he dropped two balls, say, score points, you know, against Browns. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I'm not sure. I called him a flat-out drop. That one was way off target, but and he just he made he was, a, you know, but the other miraculous one, play to get his hand. hands on. Yeah. yeah, no, the other one, I think, probably is something he ought to catch. Um, I, I don't know this this idea of going super conservative. I just feel like you're. you're what do you? Want, if the point is to learn, what I'm saying is, guys, if it's if the point is to learn what Mason Rudolph can do, 
it's the worst possible idea. I agree. To try to, quote, I agree completely. It doesn't make any sense for evaluating him, and you're doing it in a season where you have a chance for a playoff spot. It's it's neither the best chance to win nor the best chance to, you know, to see your quarterback. It's just the safest route, you know, to take. I think so, all, of us, all three of us would like the Sewers to come out and run two minutes. I don't think anybody would. If the Sewers came out and ran their two minute offense from the very first, no huddle, two minute offense. And, and see if they could score points, something like that, to say, Mason, you know what? You do your thing, buddy. And, yeah. I, and I would seriously let him. And if I wanted fucking runs, I would have signals. Or I'd get in his earpiece and say, we're going to run the ball. I want the inside zone. Or I want the counter. Yep. And Just to mix it up. Exactly. Let um, him hey, get some feel. So, so Perch, you know, uh, FC mentioned – the, you know, that sort of Weisenhunt uh, malarkey trickeration. Yes, I realized that they ran a flea flicker that turned into an interception because, mm-hmm. you know, the quarterback felt the need to throw the ball since it was, they went through all the trouble of running the flea flicker, uh, mm-hmm. even though the guy wasn't really open. But I was just going to say, thinking to myself, when's, when's the last end around or counter run, like a, re, you know, not necessarily wide receiver going around, but even a, even a counter action the Steelers have run. I, I like, I can't remember. Preseason, maybe. Man, you guys are shooting way too high. I'm just asking for a little <laughs> play action. Like that. You, you want reverses and flea flickers? I mean, any yeah, anything like that to help your offense out to try and catch somebody off guard, something else to prepare for. I just like a little play action. I mean, start small. You, you know, it's oh, it's just it's so it's so brutal. It's not going to get better any better this year. It's really not. And you know what? I'll, I'll throw this in too. You still have idiots out there in the Steelers fan base saying, I hope Ben retires. They need to just cut Ben. Rudolph is good enough. They look at their record. They're five and four. Uh, good They're Lord. I mean, it's, the worst. It's, it's one of the two worst offenses. And I talked about all the stats before, how much they've dropped off a hundred and some passing yards per game and from second, third or fourth in yards and, and points per game down to basically the bottom of the league. Uh, can't possess the ball, awful on third and fourth downs, not good in the reds. Everything about this offense is just, it's fucked. It's hard to watch. It's not going to get any better. Great. Well, come here for your dose of optimism at the, at the Steelers. I mean, no, no, I mean the, <laughs> it's just, that's the truth about the offense. It really yeah. is. I mean, there's no luck. The Steelers offensive line, everyone's saying, oh, it's Munchak. And the, the Steelers offensive line is not doing great. There's not an offensive line in the world. I'll, I'll let you pick your five best offensive linemen in the NFL, uh, and you put a Greg Williams or even a Keith Butler with a nine and ten man front, and Mason Rudolph, and our cast of super athletic running backs back in the backfield, and you're not going to have success running the fucking football. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So can we rag on Jalen Samuel too before we move on? Yeah, although we can, Perch, I think we can. We have time. Yeah, it's totally cool if you want to. I just don't think he's a hundred percent. I think he looked better, a lot better before he hurt his knee. He doesn't look like he moved now. Uh, Okay, so he's averaging less than three yards per carry. His vision's bad. Uh, He makes nobody miss. They throw to him out of the backfield. But uh, here's the thing: he's been our our second most targeted receiver. He's, he's, I think, he's going to be first after this week in receptions Mm -hmm. on the team. 
total targets okay. to him, whether it be runs or passes to Jalen Samuels. Okay, add those together. Okay. How much do you think he averages per target, whether it runs runs or passes? Well, one point two yards under under three, three wow. and a half, three and a half yards per target, and that includes the passing game where he's catching the ball three yards in front of the line of scrimmage. It's just. Yeah, or or no, seven no or seven, <laughs> or seven yards behind the line of scrimmage with a linebacker in his face like last week. <laughs> he lost. I mean, That's also true. He almost Perch. looked like a guy who who never ran the ball in high school or college, trying to play running back in the. Although first, he did average, he did average. Oh, I see what you did there. Well, <laughs> yeah. Hang on, one in, one thing I would like to say in his defense is that he ran for fi- over five yards a carry against Cleveland. He was the only running back that did that. So I yes, I don't think he's right. B, I don't think he's a you know he's performed well at all this year. But I do. I think it's FC. I think it's mostly because they're over targeting him. It's that part of Perch's argument is is spot on. It's like the guy that's supposed to be your your relief valve or you know your occasional you call a play for on third down or something is like now Mason Rudolph is just like he's he's seeing pass rush and just like dumping it to Jalen Samuels over and over again. I think that takes away a lot of his efficacy. I will let you argue with me now, uh, FC. No, you're not going to get much argument. I'm not going to argue with either one of you. The great thing about watching players play and, and getting a feel for things is you get to see your initial what you thought about a player. And then he's, if he has the one or two or three fantastic games, and Jalen Samuels last year had a couple really nice games. New England stands out. Um. And then you get to see this year. Do I think he's a little bit dinged? Yes. Do I think he is ever going to be an NFL feature back? No. Do I think that he's properly, do I think he could be a successful NFL player? Yes. Will he ever be like a James White type of player? No. Um, I think the best thing that Jalen Samuels can do is probably add 10 pounds, and he's going to be a factor back. And that's the type of thing he's going to have to do. And he's going to have to come to acceptance of he's going to have to do the B word, which a lot of running backs do not like to do, and that is blocking. And he's going to have some car collisions, but he's also going to have the opportunities to make some plays in the passing game. Every once in a while, get a carry. Um, he will never be your classic fullback. I would try to use him like John L. Williams was used by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you don't have to take on inside linebackers helmet to helmet. You can cut them at the fucking knees. And John L. Williams was a very successful running back in the NFL for 12 to 15 years, um, made several Pro Bowls, was very successful for the Seattle Seahawks, had a good career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that is the future of Jalen Samuels. He's never going to be Willie Parker, Jerome Bettis, Le'Veon Bell. Fuck, he ain't going to be Walter Abercrombie or Frank Pollard. But he can be a decent contributor in the NFL, and I believe he will be willing to block. He seems like the type of guy that is a team player. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. Uh, you know, willing to do whatever they ask him to do. I just feel like you. He's not supposed to be. You know, the guy who's touching the ball a million times. Uh, you know, like uh, just dumping it to he him because you don't know what else to do. Running back instincts. He no. doesn't. He, vision. He doesn't have. Uh, he, I agree with what purchase. Purchase. I don't want to use the word snide, but sly. I'll use the word sly comment of. He doesn't have the instinctual ability to play running back. Never did it in high school, never really did it in college. He did it for eight games in college. And he really I mean, didn't play a class. I mean, if role. Perch, is he, is he capable of being Moelde Moore? Because, I mean, I think that would be a perfectly that fine outcome. 
No. <laughs> no. He's with Mason Rudolph. I mean, it, I just don't see the point. You know, if they, like I said, if if they could have, we talked about last week, if they could have done the pony backfield where uh, you put him in there with James Conner and occasionally he's a lead blocker, occasionally he pops out wide, uh, mm-hmm. lines up as a receiver or a tight end, uh, or, or you flare both of them out and, and you take advantage of mismatches and you use them as a chess piece, to me that's his only functional role in the NFL. He's not a regular running back. He's not really a third down back. He's not really a fullback, not really a tight end or an H-back. To me, he's like a second back. If you could get him to be kind of a fullback, but a chess piece fullback, who am I thinking of? Larry Centers? Is that the, the name I want to say? Yeah, that, you know, that would be excellent. Okay, Fantastic. but I mean, you guys are, I hear the train that you guys are on, but I'd just like to point out, judging any skill position player this year with that quarterback sure. play, is 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 really like a mistake? No, I, come on, dude, he's a running back. He, he's a running back who can't see the hole. Who has he no averaged four. He averaged, he averaged four point six yards a carry last year. On this similar, more attempts than he's had so Hold far on. this year. He had one good game in his NFL career. It was against Bill Belichick the and the Patriots, who were dead set on taking away the pass and thought there's no way in the world this stupid ass fullback is going to run the ball against this. And they, and they pretty much just gave him 120 yards in that game. Uh, trying to, to double team and take away Antonio Brown. He never he's never duplicated it again. High school, college, last year, this year, he had one good game, and that's it. He's an outlet. He's, he's Larry said he's, he's a full, uh, uh, a pass catching fullback is what the hell he is. Pops at best, and you know what? Most teams in the NFL wouldn't even have a spot for him on the roster. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. I, Hey, you know, agree to disagree, let's just say. Like I said, I think judging anybody, that's like saying Juju Smith-Schuster is a bust because he hasn't played up to expectations this year as the number one receiver. Juju's got years of Pro Bowl uh, 1,000-yard receiving yards and and Pro Bowls, and he's proven in the league. I'm saying Sammage is a second-year starter playing, you know, in, in a situation where he can't get any running room because defenses are lined up, you know, nine and ten across on every play. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. It's you, like you can give him a six foot wide hole; he would miss it. <laughs> that is actually possibly true as well. <laughs> although, although he's he's not, uh, he only missed three games in his career compared to James Conner. What does that make James Conner? James Conner lacks the best kind of ability. The availability. Availability. <laughs> totally. Let's flip over for a second to the other side of the ball so we can argue some more. See, the Steelers losing to Cleveland, you know, just in the, the way that the offense looks right now, has just made us very sour, um, just like to say. Not, not that I like to be all kumbaya and everything. It's better when we disagree. But anyway, Steelers defense against Cincinnati's offense. Um, FC, what would you make of Ryan Finley? Uh, and what do you think about uh, the difference facing him compared to facing Andy Dalton for the Steelers defense? Um, wow. I really like Ryan Finley at NC State, and I've actually seen his, I've seen probably six quarters of his play in the NFL, and he basically is smart. He gets the ball whenever he can to Tyler Boyd, and if Tyler Boyd ain't open, he's looking for Joe Mixon, and if Joe Mixon ain't open, he's basically Tyler Eifert. No? Okay, it's going out of bounds. Um, He's... (laughs) He's risk-adverse. Um, he processes things a little bit better than Mason Rudolph. Questionable arm talent. Not great. I mean, 
He's accurate. I'll give him that. He doesn't have great arm strength. Uh, he's not going to make anybody think of Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's not as mobile and slick in the pocket as uh, Biker. Oh, my God. I wish. Okay, we're going to get to that real quick. Well, dear baby Jesus, Allah, any God, old and new, please allow somebody to put some hot sauce. Even I want to more on Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, because I have at least a decent bit of respect for Lamar Jackson. Everyone's like, Lamar Jackson's going to get killed. I don't want Lamar Jackson to get killed. I want Baker Mayfield to get killed. That's another story. But Ryan Finley is a very average, mediocre quarterback, decent accuracy. He's not very mobile in the pocket, and I think he might end up getting fucked up by Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. Sewers have had a few days off, and I think they may have a little burr under their saddle. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Perch, I, I mean, Finley a little bit more mobile. That would be the most positive thing I can come up with to say about him. I think as a passer, uh, he pretty much couldn't have been much worse. Uh, I think he was, you know, like maybe he's in the, you know, uh, Rosen Haskins territory. Falk, you know, some really bad quarterback performances this year. He's right there with him. Um, but I mean, I can't possibly see this being. Uh, I mean, is there a way that I guess what I'd like to say is: is there a way that Cincinnati can game plan for the Steelers and get AJ Green back and 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 give give at least give the Steelers defense at least enough trouble to keep this game uh, close with our own offensive struggles? Oh, it's, it's going to be close. Neither team can score. How can it not be close? <laughs> I don't think A.J. Green's playing, though. From what, I, what I've heard and read, it just seems like he's still – they're going to bring him back slow. He's not going to push it to, to come back to, to an 0-9 football team. Uh, to me, I mean, Tyler Boyd's still a pretty effective slot receiver. Uh, Tyler Eifert, for the four or five plays a year that he's healthy, uh, has always caused Steelers uh, trouble. And Joe Mixon is a pretty talented back. You got to keep those three guys bottled up. Don't let you know. One of the big issues we had with Baker Mayfield last week: how many times did he scramble out of the pocket to his right? That's the only. Watch him play. That's his own. If his first read's not there, what does he do? He gets out of the fucking pocket, rolls to his right, extends the play. He's got really athletic receivers that you can't cover for seven seconds, and they get open. The uh, same thing I would say here with Finley was where he. He does have some ability to scramble and, and, and move a little bit, and maybe they look at that tape and say, you know what, screw it. <laughs> if your first read isn't there, just roll to the right, and we'll buy time and get somebody open. And I think that's something the Steelers need to clean up this week. Yeah, it seemed like they, they generally do a good job of closing the door, especially when they're facing a quarterback they know is mobile. Um, so I just, uh, for, for whatever reason, it would just look like a, early in the game anyway, they were given the opportunities to do that. Um, FC, in terms of the Cincinnati running the football, Steelers haven't been that clean uh, on run defense this year. Not not nearly the way they have been in coverage for the most part. Um, how do you see this matchup? Um, well, I'm not a big fan of Tyson Alou Alou. But I'm coming around a little bit on Javon Hargrave. Um, he's one of the few players that didn't fill up the stat sheet against Cleveland that uh, – I came away thinking, you know what? He's showing signs of improvement. Or maybe as the season gets a little bit on and the weather gets a little bit cooler, maybe Javon is uh, a little bit better suited for playing in that weather. And I'm not what well, I'm not saying anything about the heat, but 
he seems to get rolling. That's why it's been his the way he's operated. It's you know he's been so so in the beginning of the year, and his week eight and nine and ten come rolling around, he seems to be rolling in the form, and uh, he really wrecked some runs against uh, Cleveland, and he's wrecked some runs against the Dolphins, and wrecked some runs for about the past month. Um, shockingly, Cameron Hayward is a player that. He really, really makes some plays, but he also really misses some run fits. And uh, I'm not going to throw Mr. Bush under the bus, um, but I am going to throw fucking Mark Barron under the bus. Boy, he missed some tackles, and it's crucial at times. He did make a few plays. Um, I would not be shocked to see more Vince Williams than than we've seen the past couple weeks. Um, He really is the heartbeat of the defense. And the Sewers just have to do a better job of tackling. Um, gap integrity comes and goes because of the amount of pressure that we put on in the passing game. Um, I think our front seven really wants to hunt the quarterback. Um, I think it's been preached by Dunbar and Butler, create turnovers, hunt the quarterback, attack the ball. So you're losing some decent fundamental play, gap integrity at times. But the amount of speed on the Sewers' defense, they can cover up those mistakes and – you know, 12 and 15 yard runs ain't becoming 50 and 60 yard touchdown scampers. So, they speed lets you cover up a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, perch. The thing about the, you know, Vince Williams playing in this game is, I don't think either, you know, any of those running backs or uh, other than Tyler Eifert, um, the guys that Vince Williams would be tasked with covering if they get, uh, you know, some early downs and have to have him cover. Doesn't seem like it seems like a good game for him to play a little bit more. So I'm sure he'll be stuck to the bench. Um, what's what's your take on that? I don't know. I mean, I think Vince Williams should be a regular. I mean, I think he should be a, of the three. I think I'd play him. I mean, every base down for sure. Uh, you know, I think they can get him in some nickel as well. I just Mark Barron doesn't do it for me. I know that they they think he's more mobile and he's a better in coverage. He's not, honestly. I mean, uh, that's not that's not Vince Williams' strong point. But Vince Williams is a hundred percent motherfucker. He gives you everything he has. Every down means the world to that guy. Put him on the field. I'd rather him get beat because he didn't have the athletic ability than Mark Barron getting beat because he didn't care and didn't try. Um, it just frustrates me to see. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it, it frustrates me to see a guy like Vince Williams is a kind of Pittsburgh, so you build your, build your team around. Like, he's a high-character, high-football character guy. Put that dude on the field, and you know what? If he gets beaten coverage a couple times, I'll live with it because I know he's going to make splash play here and there. He's going to force a fumble. He's going to get a sack. He's going to stuff a run that Mark Barron just won't do. So that's my thought on that. And, and you know, and, and Bush is, is still up and down, too. I mean, he's got a long ways to go to, uh, to be – I saw some ridiculous thing published today that he's leading the AFC in Pro Bowl votes for inside linebackers. The fuck is that about? I mean, he's been okay <laughs> this year. He's made some big plays, but he's missed more plays than he's made. You know, it just shows you that uh, Pro Bowl is just the name uh, recognition contest. It definitely is. Um, so, uh, FC, I got one for you. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed that John Jerry uh, gave up four sacks to Max Crosby last week. By the way, Max Crosby, uh, yours Sorry. truly, uh, you know, my my. Uh, I didn't think he was the greatest choice as a as an edge in a three four. So didn't think it would necessarily work for the Steelers. But I thought in terms of you know four three de 
Love the guy for three years now, so uh, I'm, I, I'll take that one. I'll take the I'll take the W on that for now. But um, more importantly, though, what what is Cincinnati going to do on the offensive line? They if, if Max Crosby got four sacks, how, how many sacks could TJ Watt get? Or yeah. or Bud Dupree? I guess I guess John Jerry's playing sure. on the left side. I mean, if I'm Cincinnati, and that's how I'm going to purchase. Um, I'm going to have to probably max protect most obvious passing downs. Um, so what it comes down to is can Cincinnati successfully run the ball to slow down the source pass rush? Because they can't slow down the source pass rush. You're going to have to keep a tight end and a back end. And the last time I counted, that means you have three eligible receivers at best. Uh, so because it takes one guy to throw the fucking ball. Uh, so that's really not a way to be ultra productive on offense. So the only chance that Cincinnati has of slowing down TJ Watt and Bud Dupree is to limit their offense to that of a 1940s style offense at best. So I don't think that is a pathway to victory. Maybe do we all need to find something to do between one and four on Sunday? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I, I see, I'm a little different than you guys. Where I think that the Steelers are going to play behind that defense, but I think it's going to be paramount to Tomlin and the psyche of this team to be able to score two offensive touchdowns in the first half. I think that going in at halftime that the Steelers really need to be up by 14 points just for the psyche of the franchise. Because if they're in a dogfight, and even if they win, I'm going to lean to where, what Perch was saying earlier, where they're not going to be favored. I don't give a fuck what the, the Sharps in Vegas think because they've been terrible this year. But they do pretty good overall, and they make money, and they keep on building pretty fucking casinos. So they're doing something right. I hear you. Um, <laughs> it's true. If the Steelers come out and they get a little momentum, I expect the Cleveland game is going to really be a body bag game. And then that next week, we play somebody pretty good, I believe. So, you know, Arizona. Right, in Arizona. And they're pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. It's a winnable game. Yeah. It really uh, is a winnable game. <sighs> Oh man! I'm just, I, but I mean, I, the style, style wise, though, I just like it's one thing if right. they're gonna they're gonna play rock'em sock'em football and they have the running game to really do it. It's like I don't mind watching a game that's a you know a lot of good defense and strong running game. It's just like when you're running into the we line, and you're, uh, uh. a lot of people are seeing Arizona and, they, and the way they played against San Francisco. We are a completely different defense of animal than the San Francisco 49ers, despite running similar type defenses. We're a different animal. And Kyler Murray has lit up San Francisco twice this year, so most people feel that they have solved, that Kyler Murray and that offense has solved the 3-4 defense. And my response is, not so fast, my friend. We shall see. Yeah. You know? so. All right. Well, uh, guys, I mean, Perch, the last word before we move on. I don't know, man. I'm just looking at the roster and saying they've got to find a way to keep Bud Dupree after this year because they've got so yeah. many freaking holes in offense and no first-round pick. And I mean, the only way they're going to be able Great to job. do that is to cut 
I think they're going to have to cut Mark Barron. I think they're going to have Correct. to cut, um, yeah, uh, at least one other one other high uh, price player and find a way to keep Dupree and and build the offense in the off season. But you know, I've already given up on the season, so don't don't get mad at me. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we'll get back to our predictions for Steelers Bengals in terms of uh, score and all that stuff. Uh, in a little while. First, though, it's time for our Around the League pick segment brought to us by uh, the corrupt uh, former NFL referees that are on TV uh, and sports and shit. Sports and shit where you can get koozies, dog beds, sheets, all kinds of beautiful things. Sports and shit. Fantastic. Oh, wait, with the tagline. Fantastic. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dean Blandino doesn't even deserve his oh, name called. John fucking Perry. <laughs> I, I think they're, you know, those guys, what a cushy gig, man. It's like they don't know more. Do they have to, like, face the brunt of criticisms? And I think they're making more. I think John Perry makes a lot more than he made, even as a vested uh, veteran NFL sure. referee. So he's doing all right. Old John Perry. Um, uh, my, my favorite my favorite piece of around the league news to perch this week is that Le'Veon Bell has said that uh, he has uh, had it with blood tests from the NFL for drug testing, especially uh, with the needles, quote, the dirty needles, uh, and says that he will never again agree to one. Percentage. Man, I've never heard of a, I've never heard of a rapper having to get a, a, a HGH test, so he might want to switch careers. <laughs> well, you know, I just think there's a, you know, uh, the percentage chance that this actually comes to fruition is better than you think. That's what that would be. How I would lay the odds. Um, FC, you want to weigh in? Do you think there's a chance that he means it? It's a guy that sat I out mean, a whole year and gave up $4 million. Yeah, least. dude. And, I mean, he's an idiot. And he's going to – whenever people start coming and taking his shit, that's whenever he'll decide that the needle ain't that bad. Every right. – you're probably you're as long as you're riding in that Escalade. But whenever you ain't got money to pay the heating bill and it's fucking cold, those morals and judgments and shit like that changes real quick. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, FC, I'll throw it to you first. Houston hosting the Indianapolis Colts in the game. You know, somebody has to win this division. Um, both teams have had some real problems lately. Uh, you know, up and down play at the best. That's the Thursday night game this week. How do you see that working out? I'm trying to figure out if the NFL hates the Texans or the Steelers more with their scheduling. Um just uh, it, this is a brutal game for the Texans to have to play coming off of Baltimore. With that being said, Marlon Mack being out for the Colts, I'll take the Texans. I'll put my money on Watson and New Hopkins and Stills to make enough plays win the game. But I have really not a fucking clue. Uh, Perch Houston's a four-point favorite. How do you see it? Every time I get it. On Houston's bandwagon, they let me down. So I'm going to get back on it again this week and hope they don't. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I still think Deshaun Watson's a pretty darn good quarterback. Uh, of the younger guys, he's one of my favorites. I just uh, – what happened at Baltimore last week, I don't know. But they're at home uh, in Houston. I'm taking the Texans to win cover. Yeah, I'm uh, – I just think when you don't – we don't really know, especially for a Thursday night game, take the team with the better quarterback – uh, so I will take Houston and give the four. Um, 
The, here's another one that's a, kind of important for Pittsburgh's playoff chances. Buffalo is a poor point, a four point favorite over Denver in Buffalo this weekend. Um, Denver's a little, a little bit of a surge here going on. And Buffalo is the team that looks terrible on paper and just keeps winning games. Um, Perch, I'll start with you. You seem to be close to the Buffalo scene. You spend some time there. <laughs> how, do you yeah. see, how do you see that routine? This is the only game in the NFL this week that has a lower over-under than the Steelers-Bengals game. Uh, I think that's more of a testament to these two offenses. And that's going to be a pretty ugly low-scoring game, too. But, uh, yeah, the Broncos have come on lately. Their defense has been pretty good. Um, I, I th- I, Josh Allen was good Josh Allen last week. Does that mean he goes back to being bad Josh Allen this week? I don't know. I'm going to take the Bills to win uh, with a four-point spread. I say they win, but do not cover. I think it's going to be a, a field goal, two- or three-point game. I'll take the Bills, but not the cover. How about you, FC? I'm actually shockingly going to take Denver. Um, and I wish that before the game that Vic Fangio and Sean McDermott could meet at like the 50-yard line and have a bat fight because they are two of the most intense. And it's a shame that Fangio had to wait until he was like almost 60 to get his first NFL head coaching gig. And because both these guys are really, really good coaches. They're both hard asses. And um, I think that they both would probably do just about anything to win. And I like it. So, But I'm going to actually take the Broncos in an upset. Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I um Josh Allen, I think the last four weeks has accounted for twelve touchdowns and either Back. doesn't have an inter- uh, doesn't have an interception or has one or something like that. But none, I think, actually in the last four weeks. No turnovers. Um he's also uh he has the second highest rate in the NFL for converting third and long. Um I just I just I keep saying it, young Elway. I'll take uh I'll take Buffalo to cover I I think uh Buffalo at home. A little bit too good for for Denver. Um, <laughs> New England, New England hosting the Dallas Cowboys. They are six and a half point favorite. Um, you know, New England's been winning on their defense. Their offense has been kind of terrible. Uh, last week, uh, the quarterback that looked the best was Julian Edelman. <laughs> so, uh, FC, what do you think happens in this game? Um, wow, I have a feeling that if uh, wow, this is so fucking ugly. I'm going to take the New England Patriots, and that should tell you what I think. I really like Dak. I don't trust Amari Cooper um, at all, again. Um, I think Michael Gallup is actually a young star in the making. Uh, Wow. Why does anybody ever talk any shit on Dallas' offensive line? What's Ezekiel Elliott averaging per rush? Three under, like right around 3.0, I believe. So, yeah, maybe he should uh, put on some weight and become a fullback. Ah, I see what you did there, too. I uh, know. Um, so, Dallas has some issues, too. But Tom Brady. 4.3 yards like, per carry. Just kidding. Oh, is he averaging 4.3 yards per carry? <laughs> no, don't be ruining an argument with the facts, Perch. No, 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 no. I know that. Uh, that maybe it's over the last month, but he's really struggled. He's been, he was at three I, I, three yards per carry maybe over the past four games or something like that. But I'm positive. I heard the stat this morning, and I, and, and I was just like, wow. 
And because, I mean, it's the Great Wall of Dallas again. It's the best offensive line in the NFL. But they can't run the ball. Supposedly. And they got Dak Prescott, who I believe went for about 440 last week. Uh, I'll, yeah, FC, I'll, give you, I'll give you the stat, FC. The last two games, he's averaging 2.56 yards per carry. Thank you. Sorry, go ahead. So, um, I will take uh, – I will shockingly take – This feels like when Pittsburgh beat New England last year and then New England went on the run after that. But I don't believe in Brady. I'm going to take Dallas. I can't believe I'm doing it. I'll take Dallas in the points. <laughs> uh, Perch, I'm skipping you. Um, I'll take because <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Um, and I think, you get, I think you get a check from the league every time you say you're not betting against New England. I was actually going to take the Cowboys to cover. Right? The Patriots are going to win by like three last-second field goal. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Fine. Good enough. Um I, ah, boy, I want, I think New England has a couple of losses in them left this year. I, this might as well be one of them. So I might even go out on a limb and say Dallas could win this game. Um, it's a good matchup. Really good offense against a really good defense. Um, Dallas's offense, I think, is pretty solid. Um, actually, there's, there's a couple more really good games. Let's just do them quick. We'll each take one. Uh, Perch, I'll start with you. At San Francisco, 49ers are a three-point favorite over Green Bay. Who do you like? Uh, I think the Packers go in and win that game. FC Philadelphia is hosting Seattle. They're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That might be the game of the week, really. I'll take the Packers in the first game, and I'll take the Seattle Seahawks in the second game. <laughs> okay. Um, last one. Baltimore is at the L.A. Rams for Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, I think Baltimore show – travels pretty well and Jared Goff's been absolutely horrendous this year um, but I wouldn't be shocked on Monday Night Football if Aaron Donald puts on a little bit of a show um, I'm thinking that's a very close game maybe take the home team in the three points um, and that does it for our I mean you guys you know you guys don't have to agree with me um, but I've been pretty my, my betting analysis has been pretty good the last few weeks I'd just like to say I mean, it may never happen again, so let me ride the wave while I can. Um, that does it for our Around the League pick segment. Um, let's go to quickly wrap it up. Sorry, guys, it's we're running a little overtime tonight. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers in a five-star matchup <laughs> against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, if you like offense, like I said, you might want to make other plans for Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'll start with you, Perch. Steelers, Bengals, how do you see it working out? Thank you. I can't for the life of me see any way in the world this game goes over 39 and a half. I, I just can't see. If you're betting, this is the, the lock of the week again. We're going under the 39 and a half. I'm going to go Steelers 13 to 9. I have enough faith in our defense and enough faith that Cincinnati's in full tank mode. Uh, we'll, we'll get a, a couple of scores somehow. Probably a defensive touchdown and a couple of field goals on offense. Uh, they don't turn the ball over, uh, and they win the game, 13-9 Steelers. FC, how about you? Pittsburgh Steelers' defense will outscore both teams' offenses. They're going to give Perch a big fucking sweat. I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers to win 30-7, to and the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense to score two touchdowns. The offense to score one touchdown, three field goals. Uh, by the way, Steelers' offense the last two weeks has scored 17 points, and they have given up a nine. So they're a net of eight. 
<laughs> the last two weeks. Um, I, you guys stole my thunder a little bit. I, I feel like it's uh, pretty much a dead even game, except for the Steelers. The Steelers defense maybe is worth a score. So I'll call a 13-6 Steelers. Um, I think that that over-under is uh, safe unless either backup quarterback comes in the game. I think if I think if either backup quarterback comes in the game, all bets are off. I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me for Andy Dalton to come in and score just enough to win the game, and it wouldn't surprise me for Duck to come in and do more than we expect uh, against a terrible, uh, terrible defense. Even if he has nothing to throw to, I think you know he's just a guy that doesn't care too much about what the outcome is. He's just winging it sometimes, which I think is not the worst strategy when you're a young quarterback. Um, seemed to work okay for our last uh, one of our previous young quarterbacks. Um, FC, last word. Um, last word. <laughs> Anyone that tells you that this is the most shocking thing that they ever seen in the NFL this past week, um, they either have not watched a lot of football or they've been jolted. Uh, wow. I just want to reiterate, just bring back the point to what Perch and B2B spoke about. Miles Garrett got so fucking lucky that that didn't turn out worse than it did. So hopefully the Steelers will come together as a unit and make this a big fucking bonding incident. I'll leave it at that. All right, Perch, how about you? One thing we didn't mention about that same incident, uh, Mac Wilson going on Twitter, uh, sending out a picture of himself standing over uh, a concussed Juju. Uh, I think that they need to put a big target on him, Demarius Randall, for that nasty hit uh, that was clearly uh, targeting. And uh, Joby is going to be in that game. All three of those guys should be out there uh, in two weeks. And if the Steelers do not find a way to actively target those guys, I'll be highly disappointed because uh, it's it's war at this point. And I, I'm almost thinking about buying some tickets to go down and uh, go and take part because that's going to be probably the most uh, emotionally charged Steelers home game in, in quite some time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, take like Cincinnati, which is going to be a fucking snooze fest. Take a, take a first aid kit with you, Perch, if you go next week. Um, I... Let him bleed, man. Let him bleed. <laughs> um, last word for me. Uh, I, I just hope, you know, I'm not the one having to keep the team up. And I like you. I hope that you're right, FC. Uh, I'm more worried that this is a this is a sort of a trap game for the Steelers uh, to play against a team that they ought to be able to show up and beat, uh, and that the uh, you know they'll be thinking about their reprisals next week. And uh, you mm-hmm. know, also also Why playing not? without with playing without Marquis Pouncey. Pouncey even though I think Finney's a pretty good center, better center than he is a guard, um, yeah. it's not it's it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. That's a guy that does not. a lot of little stuff uh, for the offense, especially with a young quarterback. So things like calling protections and whatever. But yeah, I just feel like it's uh, Steelers have a they ought to be dominant on defense in this game uh, to the point of ridiculousness. I, I'll be almost surprised if the Bengals score those two field goals. I expect them to score. So at any rate, gentlemen, listen, try to enjoy it. Um, find something good to do on Sunday if it's not if it's not to your liking. Uh, and otherwise, uh, let's talk next week after a fantastic Steelers win that we'll take no matter how we get it. Uh, no style points necessary. Uh, FC, Perch, Fury, 
those of those of you at sealerfury.com lewis lip service working on the website uh to all of you thanks again and for all of you listening thank you very much we appreciate it i just say let's go get them Steelers. Here we go Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.